Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 29 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Overlooking an estuary, the small village of Bosham, West Sussex, sits on the south coast of England. With a population of around 3,000 residents, the narrow, tightly packed high street is a short distance from fishermen's cottages and converted oyster sheds. The open fields are popular with walkers and bird watchers, and the presence of a quay attracts a large number of sailing enthusiasts. Located a few miles south from the built-up village centre, a sizeable six-bedroom property called Hove 2 on Smuggler's Lane lies off the beaten track, affording a view of a natural inlet of Chichester Harbour. On December 30, 2013, a woman was found dead in one of the downstairs bedrooms. Okay, well, at about 9.50 on Monday morning, Sussex Ambulance Service was called, who subsequently contacted Sussex Police um, because there was uh, a lady um, who was dead, or appeared to be dead, um, within an address at Smuggler's Lane in Bosham. Uh, we responded very quickly and confirmed, confirmed that the lady was dead and seemed to have some sort of head injury. Um, we've launched a murder investigation. Um, no arrests have been made um, at this point. Um, there will be a post-mortem examination tomorrow um, and we have a full team of uh, detectives um, trying, to, trying to establish exactly what has happened following a number of lines of inquiry. Detective Superintendent Nick May with the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team spoke to the Guardian newspaper and told them that although the inquiry was being treated as a murder, he would not confirm if there had been a break-in at the property. The detective superintendent went on to say, This is a significant event for the area and traumatic for the family who are being supported by specially trained officers. At this stage we are keeping an open mind as to the motive, but we are appealing for witnesses who may have seen anyone acting suspiciously or anything unusual in the area from late afternoon on Sunday the 29th of December to around 10am on Monday the 30th of December. Please call us if you know anything, no matter how insignificant you might think it is. It could be important to the investigation. The family members who were asleep at the property during the incident were interviewed by police and had their mobile phones confiscated and taken into evidence. 
a single bouquet of carnations was left outside the home. The village of Bosom was once featured in an episode of the television show Midsummer Murders titled Written in Blood, in which a writer who had a fetish for women's clothing was bludgeoned to death with a candlestick in his bedroom on a dark stormy night. Also an adaptation of The Adventure of the Italian Nobleman by Agatha Christie was also filmed there. The main character, Hercule Poirot and Master Killer, called Mr. Graves. According to the local vicar, life in Bosom revolves around the church, school and the yacht club until summer when tourists descend on the area and turn it into what he referred to as a goldfish bowl. Reverend Martin Lane said, It's a pretty cohesive village and not much goes undetected. People know each other and look out for each other. The fact there has been a murder has come as a shock to everyone. Locals first read about the news of the attack in a neighbourhood watch email before it was reported in the press. After a post-mortem was completed, it was concluded that there was no indication that the victim had taken her own life. There were no signs of a struggle and it was determined that the woman had died from severe facial and cerebral trauma. The bedroom where she was found had one external door which was unlocked, leading onto a patio at the back of the house. A team of six investigators searched through the undergrowth and a nearby stream, and also explored neighbouring garages and boats moored close to the property. The police hoped that the public may have spotted someone acting suspiciously, so an appeal was made by Detective Chief Inspector John Fanner. He said, This is a rare incident for Bosom, which is a safe area. We have increased our neighbourhood policing patrols in the village, and if anyone has any information or concerns, I would urge them to speak to one of the officers who are there. In the past few days, detectives have interviewed various family members. There have been no arrests. In the morning, police divers are expected to search the creek behind the house in the continuing hunt for clues. Heavy rain flooded the fields and a river had burst its banks which made the search even more difficult as water would have likely washed away most trace evidence. Refuse bins were searched and forensic officers wearing blue jumpsuits were seen opening manhole covers and looking inside. The victim was identified as 55-year-old Valerie Graves. Valerie had lived in Bracklesham Bay, about 11 miles from the scene. She had previously run a gallery and a craft studio from Hairston's near Jedburgh in Scotland, but she moved back to West Sussex only two months before the attack to be closer to her 87-year-old mother Eileen, who had recently recovered from a bout of pneumonia. Eileen Graves moved to the village of Bracklesham Bay over a decade earlier. She made the move after being mugged, wanting to stay in a more quiet and tranquil area. A friend of the family spoke about Valerie uprooting her life to be with her mother and told the press, it says a lot about the kind of person she was for her to move that far. A former neighbour of Valerie's in Scotland spoke about what had happened. This is a really small community and we support each other and uh, she's been part of it for a long, long time. And it's really, really appalling and really, really sad what has happened uh, to her. Douglas Hunter, another of Valerie's former neighbours, also spoke to the press and said she didn't have an enemy in the world. She came here a couple of years ago and was popular. She was an artist and was dedicated to her art. Born in London, Valerie had two children with Roy Wood, a musician and roadie that also goes by the name Roy Weird. The couple met in the late 70s, but parted ways amicably in the early 90s. Wood, who had since moved to Brighton, would say of Valerie, 
Even after we split up, we remained close and spoke on the phone. When she went to Scotland to study art, she asked me, as a musician, to send her some lyrics for a project. She was just a lovely, caring, kind person. After moving to Scotland, the mother of two attended the School of Textile and Design in Gala Shields as a mature student and graduated from Harriet Watt University campus with a BA Honours in 2007. Valerie travelled to Finland to study and incorporated her teachings there into a successful degree course before eventually opening a gallery and craft studio. The head of textiles and design at Harriet Watt University paid tribute to Valerie and a hunger for knowledge. They stated, She was a very creative person with a wide range of artistic interests and she will be much missed. Here is Valerie speaking about the work she did. Joined up, which is one of the reasons I did join up, was to actually work with other people in a workshop context. So, what it's actually enabled me to do is to focus those ideas and really think through what I would like to do, who I would like to work with, and how. Um, and it's really given me the, the sort of why for of how to actually really organise that. So, um, yes, I'd very much like to go on and do workshops with. Anyone that's interested in doing a creative practice. One thing I wouldn't change is the environment, though. Valerie's friends, the Chamberlain family, owned the property on Smuggler's Lane, but were out of the country over the Christmas period on holiday in Costa Rica with their children. Neighbours said it wasn't uncommon for them to go away. The Chamberlains had asked Valerie and her family to house it, and they had been at the property since December 23rd. As Valerie was born on Christmas Day, much like every year, the family celebrated her birthday in the morning and Christmas in the afternoon. Valerie's two adult children, Tim and Jemima, left after the celebrations had ended, and Valerie had planned to ring in the new year with her mother Eileen, her 60-year-old sister Janet, and Janet's partner, 59-year-old Nigel Akers, an architect and former basketball player. It was reported that Malcolm Chamberlain, one of the homeowners, was friends with both Valerie Graves and Nigel Akers. On the night of the killing, Valerie had spent the evening in with her mother and sister watching a film on television, while Nigel Akers had left to go out with some friends. Nigel returned at 9.20pm. The family sat watching the television until they retired to bed around 10pm that night. However, Nigel stayed up for around an hour before locking the property, switching off the lights and going to bed. Valerie was attacked as her family slept in another area of the house. Reports suggested she was likely surprised in bed and did not have the chance to shout for help. The design of the large property is loosely based on a ship with each bedroom isolated from the other. This fanned the flames of yet more speculation in the press as to how Valerie's killer remained undisturbed. At this stage, no one had been ruled out. Police believed it possible that a family member or someone from Valerie's past could have committed the murder, but thought it just as likely that it could have been a stranger. Neighbours realised something was wrong when police pulled up outside the property. A resident of Smuggler's Lane who wished to remain nameless spoke to a reporter. They said, We do not know who they were. They have been there since Christmas. There were cars parked in the drive. They were entirely well behaved. They came gently and went gently. We heard absolutely nothing. We looked across and saw the ambulance and three police cars. Believed something was amiss. We worked out what had happened, but we know no more. I am just very sad for our neighbours and for everybody. You can't imagine coming back from holiday to this. It must be just horrendous. 80-year-old Ernie Mears, a friend of Valerie's mother who visited the property on Boxing Day from the early afternoon to the evening, was interviewed by police. An eight-page statement was taken, along with his fingerprints and a DNA sample. He said, I was only at the house on Boxing Day. Nigel always cooks, and we sat down to a wonderful meal with cold turkey, then they gave me my Christmas presents. Valerie wasn't there that day. I was told she was with her family but was coming back for New Year. 
I found her to be a lovely chatty lady who was dedicated to her children and family. I haven't a clue what must have happened. It's quite beyond me. Nigel is not a little man at all. He's six foot odd tall and used to play basketball, as did Malcolm, and that's how they became friends. I cannot make out how Valerie has come to harm, because Nigel would be there to protect them. Ernie Mears, who had a falling out with Valerie in the past, was interviewed by the Guardian newspaper and spoke about the five hours he spent with police. He said, I still feel in the dark about what's happened and didn't learn much from them. What they did say was that it was going to be a very long job and that the Chamberlains wouldn't be able to go back home. I've been very worried about Valerie's mum as I haven't been able to get hold of her since this happened to find out if she's okay. I eventually spoke to Nigel on New Year's Day. He told me the detectives had taken their mobiles and things away. At the start of the new year, a press conference was held and Detective Superintendent Nick May sat next to Valerie's children as they appealed to anyone who might have further information about the case. Our mum was much loved and will be sorely missed by the whole family. She was a free spirit who enjoyed her life and was a talented artist. She had lived in Scotland for about 10 years, a place she loved and which inspired her passion for art. We had been lucky to spend time with her mum over Christmas and she had a lovely time with the family, especially with her two grandchildren. She had been looking forward to seeing her young granddaughter grow up and was interested in her grandson's musical ambitions. This had been a devastating which is devastating for the family and has come to a complete come as a complete shock. We would appeal to anyone who has any information about this, no matter how trivial it is, to contact the police to help us catch whoever has done this horrible act. There's some specifics that we'd like to get across um, to to people today. Um, first of all, um, we, we would be very interested to hear from anyone who knows someone who may have come home with different clothes on or with blood-stained clothes on either Sunday, or late on Sunday the 29th of December or Monday or up until Monday the 30th of December. Or was anyone asked to wash clothing in unusual circumstances or to dispose of clothing? We would ask people to, to think very hard about that and if they do have any information, we would be looking for them to come forward to uh, Sussex Police, uh, quoting Operation Ensign um, and contacting Sussex Police. Um, we're also st repeat the appeal from, um, from earlier on in the week that we're still looking for people who were in the area at the time, who saw anyone acting suspiciously or unusually in the Bosom area or the surrounds. Sometime between five or six o'clock on uh, Sunday night, the 29th, up until about 10 o'clock on, uh, on Monday the 30th. In terms of, times of time of death, we know that Valerie went to bed at about 10 o'clock um, in the evening on um, the, the, uh, Sunday the 29th. Um, in, and, and she was found at about 10 o'clock the following morning. That's as, that's as much as we can say at the moment. As police continued forensic work at the property on Smuggler's Lane, the large area behind the house was cordoned off. A motorboat belonging to the homeowners was removed from the rear of the property, along with a silver Lexus 4x4 owned by Nigel Akers. On their hands and knees, a search team combed through the gardens near the home and scoured through fields, undergrowth and streams, hoping to discover a weapon that might have been discarded after the murder. Divers who form part of a specialist underwater search team also explored a body of water nearby. As more details emerged, a number of newspapers reported that detectives were looking into links between the scene of the crime and an adult website which had listed the address as a venue for a party. A posting on the website included the name of one of the Chamberlain family, some nude photos and their email address. The profile stated the user was very wealthy, wanted a threesome and had a particular interest in bondage and discipline. Paul Dixon, a solicitor for the Chamberlain family who had no idea how the photos got there, believed that it was someone causing trouble as the pictures posted had been taken some time ago. 
While the Chamberlain family still remained out of the country, they were cooperating fully with the police. DS may confirm that one of the lines of inquiry was that it could have been someone unconnected to the family, possibly a burglary gone wrong, although refused to go into specifics about how someone could have gained entry to the home. Five days since Valerie's body was found and the officer leading the investigation was keen to stress the sheer scale of this ongoing inquiry. With officers in Surrey and Sussex now part of the ongoing investigations, they're now trying to work out whether this was a stranger attack or something linked with Valerie's past. On Tuesday, January 14, 2014, a 22-year-old male was arrested in connection with the murder of Valerie Graves. It was reported that a semi-detached property on Ho Lane, less than a quarter of a mile from the scene, was being searched in connection with the inquiry. However, police refused to say if this was the home of the male being questioned. Covered in white overalls, Scene of crime officers scoured the cottage and were seen going in and out of the property for most of the day. Two days later, on January 16th, the name of the 22-year-old who had been arrested was announced in a number of the tabloids. He lived with his father on Ho Lane. He was a former pupil at Westergate Community School in Chichester and worked at an electrical supplies firm. As his mother was too upset to speak, the man's brother spoke to reporters from their home. He said, It's an absolute joke that he was arrested. Anyone who knows him would be shocked to find out that he was arrested for murder. I can't believe people and the police would actually think that he would kill someone. He lives around the corner and was arrested on Tuesday morning. My mum is inside, but she is too stressed to come outside. I've had to take the day off work to make sure she's okay. The 22-year-old was described as a nice guy by his brother. He went on to say, anyone will tell you that. The following day, on January 17th, it was announced in the press that officers searching the village of Bosham had found a rusty claw hammer at the entrance of Hart's Farm on Ho Lane, around 600 metres from the scene. It could be purchased in screw-fix stores, and had been found a few days after the murder. Police believed it had been used to bludgeon Valerie Graves to death while she lay in bed. The 22-year-old male arrested in connection with the murder was released on bail until February 17th. On January 22nd, the BBC television series Crime Watch featured an appeal for information and 20 calls were received in the incident room. Detective Superintendent Nick May again appealed to the public to come forward if they had a hammer matching the description of the one found. He said, We need to know the origins of this hammer. Do you recognise it? We need people to check if they have lost such a hammer or had one stolen in the period leading up to the murder. We would also ask police officers, prison staff, probation officers and professionals who work in mental health if they have dealt with anyone who has talked about causing someone harm with a hammer to let us know. The hammer is about 30 centimetres in length. It has a distinctive red and black handle and is embossed with the words forged steel with a picture of an outline of an anvil. At the time, the most common consensus in the press was a random break-in during the Christmas period had resulted in Valerie's death. Much was made of the police appealing to mental health workers. During the middle of February, it was reported that the 22-year-old male who had been arrested in connection with the murder had had his bail extended to March 24th, though no further details were released. Almost two months had passed since the brutal murder had shocked the quiet community and puzzled the investigation, so a reward of £10,000 was offered for information leading to a conviction. Over 200 interviews had taken place and 100 statements gathered, 
though police still felt that some witnesses with vital clues hadn't yet come forward. Detective Superintendent May stated, This was a savage attack where a significant level of violence was used. We know that a hammer found nearby in Ho Lane was used by the offender and we are seeking the public's help to catch this person before they hurt someone else. We particularly appeal to anyone who knows personally, has met professionally, or has a relationship with someone who is violent and who may have used, talked about, or threatened violence with a hammer in the past. You may have your own concerns or suspicions about this person already, but for your own reasons have not yet come forward. Let me reassure you that we can support you whatever your concerns, but this person must be caught. If you saw anything suspicious or have noticed anyone acting strangely since, I urge you to contact us no matter how incidental you may think your information to be. It could be a vital clue. A week after the reward was offered, the 22-year-old male who was arrested in connection with the murder was released and would not face charges. Police had now visited over 700 homes in the area, going door to door in the hope that someone had seen something. The National Crime Agency, who analyse how crimes are committed and assist police, also became involved and worked with the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team to create an offender profile. By the end of April, four months since the killing, no further arrests had been made and a reconstruction of the events was shown on Crime Watch. Nigel Akers, Valerie's sister's partner, told the BBC TV show, We just couldn't comprehend how it could happen. We were asleep in the house at the time. Detective Superintendent Nick May, who had been heavily involved in the investigation, also said, It is likely this person would have a history of violence, and this would be known to someone close to them, or to a professional who had worked with them either now or in the past. He explained the killer would be well aware of the damage a hammer could do. He said, We know that a hammer is not usually used by burglars, and the murderer would have known the amount of harm they could inflict on someone with the hammer when they entered the house. He went on to add, We are still appealing for information. This is about catching a killer who is still at large. Whether it's a personal or professional relationship you have with this person, we need you to come forward and stop this happening again. Valerie's family deserve to know what happened. It was noted on the television programme that one blow would have been enough to end Valerie's life, but she was struck multiple times by someone that could have been watching her as she prepared to sleep. Around two dozen calls were received in the incident room, with nearly half being followed up. A website, ValerieGravesMurder.com was set up in 80 separate languages which provided the public with information about the investigation, along with ways in which they could contact the police. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. It had been nine months since the attack and still no one had been charged, so the reward for information leading to a conviction was doubled. Both Crime Stoppers and Independent Charity and the Sussex Police each offered £10,000 for information that led to a conviction. A spokesperson for the charity, Angela Hollinshead, was quoted as saying, Valerie's murder was extremely brutal and her family has been devastated by her death. It is hoped that by increasing the reward this may assist in convincing someone to come forward and provide us with the critical information that may solve this crime. A significant breakthrough in the case came during October 2014 when it was reported that a partial DNA profile had been obtained from the hammer police believed had been used in the attack. DNA, or deoxyribonucleic acid, is a material which carries a person's genetic information and can be used to identify someone though this can prove to be difficult if the sample is degraded. The profile found indicated that the person police saw was male, although the sample was not complete enough to run through the National DNA Database. The database is utilised by law enforcement and contains close to 6 million profiles, which can be cross-referenced to identify a perpetrator or someone related to them, as DNA is passed down from parents to children. Another public appeal was made by Valerie's family before the Christmas period of 2014. Her daughter Jemima Harrison and son Tim were asked about the type of person their mother was. Mum was (laughs) carefree, Um, a big kid really. (laughs) She wasn't the most serious person, she liked to mess around. Um, Very nice, kind, loving. Next to the mother, great grandmother. Nigel Akers, who was sat with Jemima and Tim during the appeal, explained what the family had been up to on the day of Valerie's death. I, I'd been up to London that day, um, and I got back in the evening, and Jan had uh, spent the day with her mother and her sister, and it was just another sort of you know holiday, so they were very calm, collect. Everybody just drifted off to bed in the usual way, Um, nothing out of the ordinary, absolutely nothing. I came down in the morning 
for breakfast. Jan was already down there in the kitchen. And we noted that the, the bedroom door where Valerie was sleeping was open. We didn't really raise any alarm at that stage, obviously, but uh, because Jan's mother had been ill prior to Christmas, and we thought that she may have spent the night with, you know, in her mother's bedroom just to look after her. So um, that was uh, that was our, our first thought. I went off to the farm shop to get some provisions for breakfast, and it wasn't until I came back and there was a paramedic there that uh, I personally was alerted to it. And uh, Jan had gone in there to to check on her sister, and unfortunately, she found her in the position she did. So, that was the first that we knew. Tim Wood and Jemima Harrison spoke about what it was like receiving the news about their mother, and their thoughts and feelings as the one-year anniversary of her death approached. That was horrific. Uh, I'd got in from work. I was running my daughter a bath, and there was a knock at the door. Uh, my partner answered it, and obviously let the officer in and uh, I got called downstairs and got told my mother had passed away so it's a horrible horrible time you, it's I hard to comprehend um, there's lots of things throughout the year that we would have all done as a family or and mum's not been there it's really difficult this time of year but it's difficult throughout the whole year so it's uh, hard to carry on knowing that someone's still out there able to do this to somebody else possibly and uh, they're not got caught for what they've done. Tim Wood spoke about what a conviction would mean to him. It would give us some closure. Uh, that would probably be about it, really. And knowing that they're off the streets and not able to do it to anybody else because I'd hate for anyone else to go through this. Nigel Akers made an appeal for further information. It's, it's hard to comprehend. Somebody out there must know more. And we just, we would implore people, if you've got any information, go to the police. There's enough police presence in the area and then we're, we're told that there's going to be over the Christmas and the, and the anniversary date. Please speak to them. Just tell them, even if it's something that they may think is insignificant, just talk to them. And you never know, something might come of it. That's all we can ask for. As the anniversary of Valerie Graves' death came and went, police began to appeal to locals to submit their DNA so they could be ruled out of the investigation. At the time, there was a notable police presence throughout Bosom. As constables aided by community support officers chatted to locals, there was a faint hope that someone would feel able to speak up if they had seen something. Yeah, obviously a year on, what we're looking at doing with some further media work and publicity is to remind members of the community in Bosham uh, what happened and see if we can jog people's memories. Yeah, we've we've had a we've had a number of calls um, after after the family appeal, um, and we're very grateful for those. Of course, this is another opportunity to re- again remind people uh, because we believe very strongly that the. Uh, a person who killed Valerie has got connections to Bosom, um, and so we're appealing to the members of the community there to, to help us as much as they can, and this is just an opportunity to jog their memories, really. Detective Superintendent May went on to detail the lengths the inquiry had gone to to track down Valerie's killer. He said, Since the murder, officers have interviewed more than 9,500 people of which 8,000 of these were during the house-to-house inquiries, and taken 580 statements as part of the investigation, but feel there may still be witnesses with important information who have not yet come forward. The next move by the police was to put up flyers and information boards to raise awareness that the inquiry was setting up a drop-in centre where those men aged over 17 who visited, worked or lived in Bosom could submit a voluntary DNA sample and thumbprint to rule them out of the investigation. The screening sessions would be held during the first two months of 2015. Before the screenings began, residents of Bosom were interviewed by the Telegraph. A manager of a pub close to the harbour said, The police have particularly been asking questions about transient people, foreigners, looking for part-time work, that sort of thing. 
Most people don't think it was anybody who actually lives here. There is always that little bit of uncertainty. It has been a whole year and there hasn't been any real progress. People are worried. We had some talking about it in the pub yesterday. They are much more wary about locking their doors and making sure windows are shut. One resident who lived only a few doors down from the scene of the crime said, I cannot believe it is local people who could have done this so it might not get the police very far. At the same time, it's all they've got to go on. In a year, they've got nowhere. Another resident said, Some people might be a bit apprehensive, but myself, I don't have any problem with it. If you haven't done anything wrong, it is pretty well 100% foolproof. The police believe Valerie Graves' killer has a connection to Bosom, and over the next three weeks, they're urging men in the area to come in for DNA testing. From house-to-house inquiries, the police have worked out there are around 5,000 men in the Bosom area at the time of Valerie's death. They're hoping to eliminate as many of those as possible with this DNA testing. As mass DNA screenings were launched at the Millstream Hotel just over two miles north of the scene, DS May of the Sussex Police spoke to the BBC. This is a voluntary process um, and it is the best way that we have currently to eliminate people from the investigation. So we would encourage men to come forward and eliminate themselves from that investigation. Locals are only too happy to help. The whole process only takes a matter of minutes and it is totally painless and people can feel at the end of the day that they've done something worthwhile in helping the police. Well, anything like the police, definitely, yes, yes. Why not? You know, they've got a hard job to do and, um, you know, it's, um, you know, one thing has got to be done, so quicker the better, obviously, you know. The men being tested will be told they're eliminated by email but their DNA will be kept as long as the investigation is live. Police say the screening will continue until the middle of February. Participants of the screening were shown a video before fingerprints were taken and a swab from the inside of their cheek. I'm Giles York, the Chief Constable for Sussex Police. I want to say how grateful I am that you have volunteered to come along here today. The tragic murder of Valerie Graves in Bosom in December 2013 remains one of the most complex investigations Sussex Police has undertaken for a very long time. We still need the help from you, the public, to come forward to give us more information to help us find her killer. It is only in this way that we can be sure to bring justice for Valerie's family and also ensure the safety of everyone that they do not strike again. Sussex Police has been working ever since the date of the murder to try and find the killer. A major incident vehicle was also utilised as a mobile screening unit in the hope this would make the process easier for the public. Chief Inspector Justin Burtonshaw spoke about the approach and his hopes for the investigation. We estimate there's around 5,000 males over the age of 17 that either live, work or stayed here you know, over that Christmas period last year. So we're hoping that for, you know, around 5,000 people will come down to us. We've got a mobile van as well that's going to go out around Chichester, uh, around Chichester and Bosham to eliminate a number of people from the inquiry, but also the hope is to catch the, the person who, who killed Valerie. There was some fear that as the killer had not been apprehended, he could strike again. It's frightening at times here at night and that, you know, especially in the winter, you know, and, and it knock at the door or something, you never know who's there, you know. So, uh, so as soon as we get it sorted, if we can, all the better. There is concern because uncertainty is the catalyst for concern. And with this tremendous effort here by the police, that uncertainty can be diminished. Nigel Akers, the partner of Valerie Graves' sister, pleaded with the male population of Bosom to come forward and help with the investigation. He said, We would ask anyone who is eligible to attend one of the screening sessions and give their DNA. This is a difficult case, and we know the police are doing all they can to solve it. The DNA screening is an important part of the investigation. Please help. 
Sussex police were pleased with the turnout, as by the end of January over 500 men had come forward to submit their DNA, although they were hoping to obtain around 5,000 samples. It was confirmed that men could drop into the screening sessions until the middle of February, and police assured those providing samples that they would only be used in connection with the murder of Valerie Graves and for no other purpose. DS May stated, There are really strict legal safeguards in place to ensure that we treat those items with respect and we do not use them for any other investigation. While the detective superintendent denied that the investigators were clutching at straws, he said this is part of a thorough investigation. He went on to say, What we are looking to do here is to eliminate the people who live in and around Bosom so that we can actually make the pot of people we have been looking at smaller. We in Sussex have not done a mass screening like this for some considerable time. However, there are examples elsewhere in the country where it has been successful. We are very confident that we will find the murderer of Valerie Graves. Whether it comes precisely from this line of inquiry or from others, we will see. But this is what we are concentrating on at the moment and is the best chance we have to eliminate people who live in and around Bosom to help us find the murderer. A similar approach had been taken to identify the killer of two 15-year-old girls between 1983 and 1986. Blood samples were taken from men in villages in Leicestershire, and although the man responsible Colin Pitchfork had persuaded a friend, armed with false identification to go in his place, his ruse was ultimately discovered and he confessed to the brutal rape and murder of the two girls. This case was covered on Season 2, Episode 21 of this podcast. DNA testing is used as a reliable tool in criminal cases, though mass screenings like the one in Bosom are rarely carried out. By February 2015, it was reported that 2,042 samples had been collected. Sussex police appealed to those men who had not come forward to be tested to do so. By March, nearly 1,500 had been ruled out. Determined to test as many men in the area as possible, Sussex police announced they would be going door-to-door at the start of April. Detective Superintendent Nick May was grateful for the turnout, however wanted more men to come forward so they could be excluded. He said, We will be doing house-to-house inquiries and knocking on doors during a week of action. If we don't get a reply, we will also be sending out further letters asking them to attend Chichester Police Station to give their DNA. In November 2015, the case was featured on a television series titled Donald McIntyre Unsolved. Witnesses were re-interviewed along with experts who tried to reconstruct the events to understand what happened. Former Detective Chief Inspector Clive Driscoll, who formed part of the team that reviewed the case on the television show, had worked in the Metropolitan Police Force on the Stephen Lawrence case and was interviewed by the press. He spoke about the killer and was quoted as saying, I visited Smuggler's Lane, and it is not a location you just stumble across. He must have known the area and gone there for a reason. It is an affluent area, but the fact that nothing was really taken is strange. It certainly poses the question, was he targeting Valerie, or was he going for someone else he thought was in the house? I certainly don't think this was a burglary gone wrong, as many have suggested. There are still so many questions to be answered. He went on to say, If it had been a burglary and she had disturbed him, then one or perhaps two blows of the hammer would have been enough, but this was a prolonged and vicious attack. It could be that he had severe mental health problems, but it cannot be ruled out that this was a targeted attack. Believing a separate incident would be the key that unlocked the mystery, he said, Something will happen such as the murderer being in a fight, and that will enable evidence and DNA to be matched up. As 2015 came and went, of the 2,500 men who provided samples, 
every single one was ruled out. Although Sussex Police had undertaken the biggest voluntary mass DNA screening in its history, and it remained a priority for the force, they had still only reached 50% of their intended target. During Christmas of 2015, Detective Chief Inspector Jason Taylor spoke of the force's determination to catch the killer and get justice for those involved. He said, This time of year is particularly difficult for her and her friends. We are asking for people's understanding as we continue to knock on doors in Bosom and ask for DNA samples. I would ask any men aged over 17 who live, work or visit Bosom who haven't provided a DNA sample to contact police so we can arrange for this to be taken and for them to be eliminated. We are still offering a £10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Valerie's killer and I would ask anyone who has information to contact the police. Roy Wood, Valerie's partner, told the Argus newspaper, So many things don't add up about it. I personally don't think it was a targeted attack. Nobody would want to hurt her. But if it was burglary, who would take a claw hammer? And why was nothing stolen? I can't get my head around it. There are so many questions we need answers to, especially the children. They need to know who did this and why. Police tried their utmost to raise awareness throughout Bosom, although could not force every male who lived or worked there to submit a DNA sample. Colin Sutton, a former detective chief inspector who was involved in the investigations that led to the conviction of Delroy Grant, a serial rapist, and serial killer Levi Belfield spoke about the approach Sussex police had taken. He stated, Mass DNA screenings create a lot of work, and unless you have 100% coverage, there is no point in doing it at all. I am not aware of any case in this country in which the mass screening of DNA has worked as it should. It is something you only do if you have absolutely no other choice. The problem is, given it is voluntary, you will end up with people not doing it, and you have to treat everybody who refuses as a person of interest, if not a suspect. At the start of 2016, press reports were linking the death of Valerie Graves to the murder of a couple in their 70s, Dennis and Sheila Jefferson. The pair had been found dead on February 6th, just four miles from Smuggler's Lane. Sheila was beaten numerous times with a blunt instrument, while Dennis had been stabbed in the neck. Both had then been shot in the head with an air rifle, and the bungalow they shared had been set alight. DCI Tanya Jones from the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team appealed to the public for more information. We've launched a murder investigation after a couple were found dead in their bungalow in Chidham on Saturday morning. It appears that the couple were attacked before their home was set alight. A man known to the couple is a potential suspect in our investigation. We're appealing to anyone in the area who may have seen or heard anything suspicious in Maybush Drive between 9am on Friday morning and 9am on Saturday morning. We're doing all that we can to reassure the local community. On June 14th, 2016, an inquest into the death of Valerie Graves was held in Chichester. Jason Taylor, a detective chief inspector in the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team, explained that 2,800 men had been screened and eliminated from the investigation. He went on to confirm that the injuries to Valerie's head and face were the reason for her death and the possibility of suicide had been ruled out. Valerie Graves was described as someone who was unlikely to offend. It was determined that she had been attacked while in bed by an intruder, armed with a black and red hammer. Although a 22-year-old male had been arrested in connection with the murder, he was later released without charge. DCI Taylor said at the time there was no known motive for the killing. Though Valerie Graves' family were not at the hearing, Penelope Schofield, a coroner for West Sussex, passed on her condolences. She said, I do hope that any publicity arising from this inquest will produce further evidence 
and if this evidence comes to light that this should lead to the apprehension of the offender. As the inquest came to a close, a verdict of unlawful killing was recorded. A few weeks later, a further inquest was held into the deaths of 76-year-old Dennis Jefferson and his 73-year-old wife Sheila, who had been killed in a violent assault before their home was set alight. It was concluded that they had been murdered by 70-year-old Norman Williams, Sheila Jefferson's brother-in-law. Norman Williams had died following complications in hospital due to the burns he suffered when attempting to burn down the Jefferson's bungalow three days after the murders. Williams had been captured on CCTV attempting to withdraw cash from the Jefferson's bank account, but entered the wrong PIN number. He was then seen filling up a canister of petrol shortly before the fire. Eighteen months later, and as the end of December 2017 marked the fourth anniversary of her death, Valerie's family again spoke to the BBC. Roy Wood, Valerie's ex-partner and father to her two children, said, We are just waiting and hoping that one day we will know what happened. None of us feel a thirst for revenge. We would want the killer to be caught so they cannot do it again to someone else. It gets to be a funny time of year for the family. Because it was the festive period when she died, it taints it a little bit. It's something we've spoken about a lot over the last couple of weeks. It's very difficult for the children, because they are part of what happened. They hear from the police from time to time, but there's no news. We all live in this era of watching something on television where it gets solved in six episodes. We have that expectation. It doesn't happen like that in real life. The Sussex police renewed their appeal and reminded the public of the reward available for information leading to a conviction. No one came forward. Five years after Valerie Graves was murdered, the police still don't know who killed her. It was a brutal attack which shocked this quiet community. Valerie had been with her family... By December 2018, the mass DNA screenings were brought to a close police would continue to follow lines of inquiry and take a sample when relevant. 2,819 samples had been taken, with every male tested being ruled out. Chief Superintendent Jason Taylor said, Officers and staff from the investigation team remained determined to find Valerie's killer five years on and to get justice for her and her family. We continue to do everything reasonably possible to achieve this. We are still offering a £10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Valerie's killer, and I would ask anyone who has information to contact police. During an interview with the BBC, Roy Wood wasn't sure his family would ever find justice. I don't feel there's much more they can do, he said. It's difficult. People expect there will be answers immediately and not when it's something as random as this. Despite an exhaustive inquiry, no one has yet been charged with the murder of Valerie Graves. So where are we now? The reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Valerie's killer remains unclaimed. Valerie was brutally murdered in her bedroom on Smuggler's Lane in Bosham overnight between Sunday December 29th and Monday December 30th 2013. Were you in the area? Do you remember anyone acting suspiciously? The website ValerieGravesMurder.com has since been decommissioned, but if you have any information you can ring Sussex Police on 101 in the UK or email 101 at sussex.pnn.police.uk quoting Operation Ensign that's E-N-S-I-G-N You can also contact Crime Stoppers anonymously in the UK on 0800 
Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. To keep up to date with news on the podcast, you can follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Facebook and Instagram under They Walk Among Us Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.